So as John gave us a very nice introduction and overview to the COMPASS trial, and my uh, specific interest is uh, treating patients with peripheral artery disease. Many of my skills I learned here at the Brigham as a fellow. And while I was here, we really didn't have many uh, options for PAD patients. And as we mentioned earlier, we focus and use, for the most part, prior to COMPASS, a single antiplatelet agent, typically aspirin, sometimes clopidogrel. So John has outlined just how important the burden of cardiovascular disease is as a chronic disease globally. And if we think of a peripheral artery disease, it does affect 200 million people worldwide. And uh, you know, these patients are high risk. And as we expect with the aging population globally, we can live longer. There will be more patients with PAD. And we have fairly good evidence that supports many therapies for PAD. And I think one that hasn't been uh, touched upon much tonight is, firstly, cigarette smoking is a key risk factor for PAD, and we know that smoking cessation is an effective way of preventing the progression of PAD, and it's still a paramount of importance in our management of PAD patients, as well as has been mentioned earlier, exercise programs improve uh, claudication in those patients with intermittent claudication. And then when we move to pharmacotherapy, we do have a host of agents we can choose from, and I'll focus in on our observations in the COMPASS trial that have improved uh, what we think a change from just single antiplatelet therapy to now a combination therapy of an anticoagulant plus an antiplatelet agent. So this is a graphic representation of what you have heard about earlier tonight called atherothrombosis. So it's an artery with an atherosclerotic plaque that then when ruptured over top forms a blood clot or a thrombus. So this is called atherothrombosis. And this is what we aim to prevent in patients with vascular disease. And if we think about peripheral artery disease, you can see the picture here of the leg. And this is the artery. We can see the yellow is the atherosclerotic plaque. The blood finds a way through the stenotic area. But uh, certain uh, patients then have a rupture of a plaque or from higher up, a blood clot comes down and completely blocks the artery. And this causes uh, an acute limb ischemia, as it's known in the leg. If this occurs in the heart, it can be a heart attack or myocardial infarction, in the brain, a stroke. So we're always looking for therapies to prevent that atherothrombosis from occurring. And prior to COMPASS, in PAD patients, the general recommendation was to use a single antiplatelet agent. And I'll just quickly review some of the evidence. We had aspirin as the mainstay of therapy based on a number of meta-analyses. And aspirin is believed to reduce the risk of myocardial infarction stroke and death by about 20%. Then when I was a <laughs> resident at McMaster in the mid-90s, the Capri trial was being run from McMaster, our home university, and this demonstrated overall about a 9% uh, benefit of using an antiplatelet agent called clopidogrel or Plavix over aspirin. And in patients with PAD, this relative risk reduction was even greater. 
So it's often thought of the Cadillac compared to the Ford. If you're thinking about a car analogy, that the Cadillac is clopidogrel. So if you can afford it and your patient can tolerate it, that is the agent of choice compared to aspirin. And then very recently, just in the last year, published in the New England Journal was the largest PAD trial to date called the Euclid trial, where a more potent antiplatelet agent called Ticagrelor was compared to clopidogrel. And we waited with eager anticipation for the result of this trial, but it was not shown to be superior to clopidogrel. So really, after Euclid, we stayed with the paradigm of a single antiplatelet agent used in patients with chronic stable PAD. Now, John mentioned that two antiplatelets have been tested in patients with PAD. Some of the trial names familiar to you here would be the Charisma trial, where clopidogrel and aspirin were used together compared to aspirin alone. And really, there was not a clear signal of benefit in patients with PAD. A trial run from the Brigham and Women's Hospital, and Mark Bonaca is one of the leads, uh, showed that Borapaxor, another agent working on platelets, uh, often used on top of dual antiplatelet therapy, did prevent adverse limb events in patients with PAD. So this was an important trial because it gave us that um, hope that maybe if we got the right combination of antiplatelet agents or antiplatelets with anticoagulants, we could prevent these limb events in patients with peripheral artery disease. The downside of the Vorpaxar trial was the excess of bleeding, which was moderate to severe, and it may be because this was used uh, in large part on top of dual antiplatelet therapy. And then another trial from here, the Pegasus trial, demonstrated that, again, two antiplatelet agents together may be better than one with ticagrelor and aspirin as compared to aspirin. So we've had hints that, you know, using combinations of agents over top of aspirin may be superior to aspirin alone, and this uh, played a role certainly in our thinking and in the design of the COMPASS trial. Now, uh, I often call this trial my fourth, tri my fourth child. So uh, doing a clinical trial is a labor of love because it takes a lot of planning and often a lot of fundraising. But we had looked at the literature in patients with coronary artery disease and thought, well, could we use full-dose oral anticoagulation, known as warfarin or Coumadin? I'm sure many of you are familiar with that agent. So we looked in coronary artery disease patients first by doing a meta-analysis, and we observed the potential for benefit with a significant reduction in favor of using warfarin and aspirin together compared to aspirin. And although there was a slight increase in major bleeding, shown here in the black bar, we felt that the benefits could outweigh the risks. And then we said, well, PAD patients are the highest risk patients. Let's test this combination in patients with PAD. So this is the fourth trial I mentioned to you, and it was a trial called the WAVE trial. And we tested in about 2,000 patients with PAD, warfarin used together with antiplatelet therapy compared to antiplatelet therapy alone. Our hope was that these two curves would separate, showing the benefit of the combination therapy. 
but we did not observe that. You can see that the curves completely overlap. And there was no significant reduction in major adverse cardiovascular events. There was no significant reduction in major adverse limb events. And so we really didn't see any benefit of the combination oral anticoagulation at full dose plus antiplatelet therapy compared to antiplatelet therapy alone. And the major downside to the WAVE uh, trial was the excess and life-threatening bleeding. So we saw a 3.5-fold increase in life-threatening bleeding. So these were very serious bleeds, either fatal or bleeds into the brain, all critical organ bleeding. And this blue line represents the steady progressive increase in life-threatening bleeding in patients who receive this combination. So this is in the mid-2000s, and it really put a stop to our using full-dose anticoagulation and antiplatelet therapy in patients with chronic stable PAD. And really, we went back to antiplatelet therapy as a single agent in our day-to-day -day management. So as John mentioned, in the COMPASS trial, we set out to include patients with chronic vascular disease with a specific goal to recruit at least 25% of the COMPASS trial population having PAD. And we excluded patients who had a need for full-dose anticoagulation therapy or dual antiplatelet therapy in particular. The objectives have already been reviewed by John, with the primary outcome of interest being cardiovascular death, stroke, and MI. And the design was the three-arm trial, with really the control arm being single antiplatelet therapy daily, and the two experimental arms, each uh, including low-dose rivaroxaban, one with aspirin and one without aspirin. This was an international trial, 27,395 patients randomized from 602 sites, so a very large undertaking. And we often think of patients with PAD as being at high risk for not only the cardiac events, so the heart attack, stroke, and dying from those events, but also the limb events that we call major adverse limb events or male. And whether or not the cardiac event occurs first or the limb event occurs first, we know that patients who experience any types of those events are at risk for the others. So it's a vicious circle. So in the peripheral artery population, we were not only interested in looking at the major adverse cardiovascular events called MACE, we focused also on the major adverse limb events called MAIL. And we define male as severe limb ischemia. That is, a patient has a, a new onset of severe leg pain that is associated sometimes with tingling uh, symptoms. Uh, when doctors try and feel a pulse, they can't feel a pulse, and the leg can be cold. So in medicine, we often talk, talk about the four Ps, pulseless, pale, uh, paresthesias, uh, and these are the typical signs of patients with acute limb ischemia. The worst outcome of acute limb ischemia is if a patient has severe tissue loss that leads to an amputation. So major amputations due to a vascular cause are also part of what we call male. And this shows the kind of 
the pyramid of patients with intermittent claudication or chronic stable PAD at the bottom and how their severity of disease may require them to have an angioplasty of an artery or peripheral bypass surgery called vascular intervention. If they have chronic limb symptoms uh, that then require an intervention or sudden onset symptoms that require an intervention, we call these patients acute or chronic limb ischemia. And the worst complication is the amputation. So we were really interested to see, does this therapy or one of the therapies in the COMPASS trial prevent the major adverse limb events? We included 7,470 patients into the 27395 total COMPASS population with PAD. And we had a number of categories of PAD that could enter the trial. And here I show those who had symptomatic PAD of the lower extremities or if they had a prior carotid artery revascularization. And the symptomatic patients made up the majority of our 7,470. We also had 1,400 patients who had coronary artery disease and who had an ankle brachial index measured at the baseline at entry into the trial. If the ankle brachial index was less than 0.9, they were also classified as having PAD. And we followed this PAD population for an average of 21 months. Now here uh, I show the impact of the rivaroxaban and aspirin combination in reducing the major adverse cardiovascular events. And you can see the event rate is low in the rivaroxaban and aspirin group at 5.1% compared to 6.9% in the aspirin alone group, which translates to a 28% relative risk reduction in favor of the rivaroxaban-aspirin combination. And this is highly significant. If we look at the components of the MACE outcome, we usually look to see are they all directionally consistent with the overall MACE outcome, and the answer is yes, as is the uh, reduction in mortality. And although it didn't reach significance in the PAD subgroup, we know from the overall trial that mortality was significantly re reduced. Now, when we come to the male or limb outcomes, uh, we were very uh, excited to see that there was a 1% absolute risk reduction in male outcomes, which translates to a 46% relative risk reduction in major adverse limb events. When we look at major amputation on their own, that translates to a 70% reduction. And when we consider all male plus additional major amputations, again, it's about a 45% relative risk reduction. So this is really important in PAD because there are few therapies that have such an impact in preventing major adverse limb events and amputations. And really, um, this came out just uh, prior to the four-year trial results showing also an impact in preventing male and amputation with the PCSK9 inhibitors. So it is an exciting time for patients with PAD because we have new therapies that can really prevent limb loss.
If we look at amputations a little more closely, uh, total amputations were significantly reduced by about 60%. So this includes all amputations due to a vascular cause. Could be as small as losing a single toe to as uh, important as having an above-knee amputation. Uh, we look for consistency across outcomes in the trial. And where we see consistency across outcomes, it's more believable. And really, we see a very consistent 60 to 70% reduction in amputations with the Rivaroxban and aspirin combination compared to aspirin alone. When we think about collectively those outcomes that are important to PAD patients, the MACE or the male outcomes, so the cardiac, stroke, as well as the limb outcomes, we see our risk reduction increases even more. So it's about a 31% relative risk reduction in the prevention of MACE or male, and again, consistent with a 31% relative risk reduction if we include all major amputations as well. When we look at these, the event curves, it's the black line that reflects the rivaroxaban and aspirin lower event rate compared to the other two arms of the trial. And you can see that the black line separates very early compared to the other two. So we know that this treatment has its impact and effect very early on after patients started. Now I mentioned at the outset that our PAD patients could get into the trial with different diagnoses of PAD. And here we show that the relative risk reduction for MACE or male or major amputation is very consistent across all of these types of PAD patients. So we can see overall in the 7,070 patients, the risk reduction is very similar in those with symptomatic PAD, so carotid or lower extremity PAD, lower extremity PAD on its own, and carotid artery disease on its own. So we have a great consistency in the impact of the rivaroxaban and aspirin in all of these patient PAD subgroups. We did uh, observe an increased risk in major bleeding, as John has already shown, uh, with a 1.6-fold increase in major bleeds. When we separate them out from uh, those that are fatal or important bleeds such as intracranial hemorrhages or critical organ bleeds, we don't see any significant excess of the severe types of bleeding. And really, the majority of the excess of bleeds come from uh, those that we think are treatable, and the most common location was in the GI tract. So this is very different from the WAVE trial uh, result that I showed with oral anticoagulants and aspirin, where we saw a significant excess of the life-threatening or fatal bleeds. In the COMPASS trial, we didn't observe an excess in those types of bleeds. When we think about net clinical benefit, we can add up all of those important events, such as cardiovascular death, MI, stroke, or major adverse limb events, as well as the severe types of bleeding, and say, on balance, are we seeing fewer uh, events in patients with the therapy that appears to be the winner, in this case, rivaroxaban and aspirin. And we can see collectively there is a 28% relative risk reduction in uh, the patients who receive the rivaroxaban and aspirin compared to the aspirin alone, which is highly significant.
Now, a brief comment on stroke. As John has presented earlier, there was a significant reduction in the order of 42% relative risk reduction in the prevention of stroke. And the COMPASS trial is interesting because we deliberately went out to recruit patients with coronary artery disease as well as peripheral artery disease. But we wanted to exclude patients who may be high risk for having bleeds into their brain. So we excluded patients with a very recent history of stroke because sometimes with the healing of the stroke, uh, there can be what's called hemorrhagic transformation if you use a blood thinner. And we also excluded patients who had uh, what is called a lacunar stroke, often due to having uncontrolled hypertension and not due to having atherosclerosis or thrombosis. So those two types of patients were excluded from the study. When we look at the impact of the Rivaroxban and aspirin compared to aspirin, as I mentioned, there's a 42% relative risk reduction, which is highly significant. So that's a very important impact in lowering stroke in our patient population with chronic stable vascular disease. And here you can see the blue bar reflecting the impact of rivaroxaban and aspirin uh, in lowering stroke. If we look at stroke type, because there are many different types of stroke. There can be the strokes that are due to lack of blood supply to a territory called ischemic stroke. There are those strokes that occur if an ischemic stroke transforms and has some bleeding associated with it. There are bleeding strokes on their own called hemorrhagic strokes. And here if we look at the impact in overall stroke it's 42% reduction. With ischemic stroke it's almost a 50% reduction. There were very few hemorrhagic transformations and actually numerically fewer in those patients on the rivaroxaban and aspirin compared to the aspirin alone. There was a slight increase numerically in hemorrhagic stroke but this wasn't statistically significant and if we look at death Within 30 days after stroke, we can see a potential reduction, although it didn't reach significance. So it's important to see that the impact of the rivaroxaban and aspirin combination is in reducing ischemic stroke, and there does not appear to be an increase in hemorrhagic transformations or hemorrhagic strokes on their own. Now, some of you may be familiar with a scoring system of stroke severity called the modified Rankin score. And so if we look at the modified Rankin score at seven days in the patients in COMPASS, I'll just draw your attention to the most severe types of stroke being ranked as four or five. So these are significant strokes that are severely disabling. And if you have a stroke and die, you're classified as having a Rankin six type of score. And you can see overall the stroke rates are lower with the rivaroxaban and aspirin compared to the aspirin group. And actually if you add up the four to six of the Rankin score compared to the four to six of the Rankin score here, we can see about a halving, a 50% reduction in the most severe disabling strokes or those strokes that lead to death. So a very important impact of the rivaroxaban and aspirin combination on stroke reduction. 
So to summarize again, in patients with coronary disease or peripheral artery disease, we observed an important uh, reduction in MACE outcomes, mortality. Uh, in PAD, we observed a reduction in major adverse limb events. We observed an increase in major bleeding, but not in the severe life-threatening or fatal bleeding. And the net benefit is in favor of this new combination of rivaroxaban at low dose plus aspirin. And uh, I've gone through this before, and I'll just conclude by saying our PAD paper we've published uh, after John's paper in the New England Journal. This one came out in November of 2017 in The Lancet. And a study of this size could not be done without a large number of investigators working around the world. And I acknowledge the hard work of all of the steering committee members representing each one of those countries. And at our own home institution in Hamilton, we have an incredible group of people. So hats off to them for pulling off such a large trial. I'll stop here and be happy to take any questions.